Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I hope and trust that you are all well. Before I get started, I would like to give a very special shout out to the reformed members of Back to Ashes. Tina Mead, Mana Ash, Normie DW, Christy Elias, Cindy Cleveland, Patty's Niece, Samantha Place, and Inner Scare Wifey. The rest of the Back to Ashes membership family can be seen right here on your screen. If you would like to become a member of Back to Ashes or buy me a coffee, all of that information can be found down below in the description box. With all of that being said, it is time to go back to ashes. For when we arise from the ashes, we are a bigger, stronger, brighter, and happier person in the morning. Sit back, relax, kick back, grab a snack, or tuck in and get warm, and prepare for this dose of vocal melatonin, entitled Backwood and Camping Creepy Stories. Right after this intro, an ad will play. I'll read the first story, an ad will play. After that, there will be no more ads within this video. Quick disclaimer, these stories will be read in no particular order. I went to Moonville when I was in college in Nelsonville. We decided at around 10 p.m., let's go search for this tunnel and arrived at about 10.45 p.m. Unaware of the parking lot and bridge that led right to it, we parked a few miles down the road from it on an old railroad track slash pathway. Our friend promised he knew the way from there. We found the walking path that just stops at a very steep embankment, almost 90 degrees. We all climbed down and then come to Raccoon Creek and cross the shallow part. We wander around for a bit, roughly till midnight, trying to find the tunnel and anything particularly paranormal or out of the ordinary, when all of a sudden, we're in a canyon-type deal, and everything in the middle of it is dead. Trees, birds, insects, nothing was living, animal corpses covered the canyon thing. One end was a cliff at about 35 foot down, so I'm not sure what was there. When we found our way out of the canyon, it was like we just exited a different world. Everything was living again. You could hear the birds. Thinking to ourselves, we thought we had spent 30 minutes in there. So we check our phones, which were our flashlights and almost dead. It was 3 a.m. Knowing that this was the witching hour, we all start to freak out a bit, knowing there were cults and sacrificial rituals being performed out in those woods. Not knowing where we are, we're trying to use our maps on our phones. No service, though, so it wasn't much help. But they start to die one by one until we get the last bit of battery on the last phone. And we find the one-lane gravel road and instantly find our vehicles and get the hell out of there. Since then, I have only been back once, and it was in the daytime after finding out about the bridge to it. Definitely one of the more creepy experiences I had down there, and haven't ventured back to that spot from the first night, and don't plan on it again. Side note, it is said that a goat man lives on top of the tunnel, although I had no encounter to prove this thought. I just thought it was worth mentioning. This is one of the most magical and unbelievable experiences I've ever had. A few years back, I went to an outdoor electronic music festival and was riding a natural high. No drugs other than a bit of pot. The first night at around midnight, the party is starting to amp up. I'm really into the music and am connecting to the DJ like there's no tomorrow. We're making almost constant eye contact, and it's obvious he's aware of how deeply I'm appreciating the music, and as the set goes on, we're connecting more and more. I know he can tell that I'm fully involved, and in giving my all to everything around me. Finally, he motions with his hand for me to turn around. I whip my head around to look behind me for one second, and when I turn it back, my jaw is dropped, and I'm absolutely stunned. For the second I looked back, I saw several brilliantly blue humanoid glowing beings walking intensely and purposefully through the forest. 
I just stood there in stupefied amazement, staring at the DJ with my mouth hanging open as he looked back as well, slowly and knowingly nodding his head. The beings looked exactly like the ones depicted in the movie Knowing. Note that I hadn't seen the movie when I had this experience. They look like humans, without the hair, but glow with brilliant blue, almost white light, and you can see through them. I told one of my friends about the experience, and he said that they are called the Devas, and that he has another friend who has seen them too. I would love to hear from anyone else who has seen them, or answer any questions you might have. When I was in 6th grade, I lived in a small town in northern Iowa. There was one little forested area just outside of town. All of my friends lived in a trailer park that was attached to the forest. We decided to go into the woods one night and mess around. We were in there for around 4 hours when it happened. We were in the dead center of the woods, not having a care in the world. We were just standing and talking at this point. I heard footsteps and crunching leaves behind me. So, I turned around and saw a figure standing there just staring at me. My friends asked me what I was looking at because they didn't see what I saw. I told them there was someone there. Then I realized that I didn't want to be seen. That is why I was the only one who saw it. It ran away when it noticed me stare back at it. My friends heard the footsteps retreating from the area. We had decided to quietly and slowly walk out of the woods without encountering anything else that could be potentially dangerous. That did not save us from the terrifying sound that emanated from the general area that it ran toward. It was a loud shrieking sound that closely resembled that of a hand move up and down the strings of a piano but it had rusty and coarse sounds added to it. We got the hell out of there as fast as we possibly could. We all decided not to stop and talk. We just kept on running to our own trailers. We never spoke of it after the occurrence. In college, I lived up on top of a mountain road, but still only five minutes to town down a trail through the woods. There was a hundred-plus-year-old oak tree in the yard, slab stone porch built by hand. I lived in the studio apartment that was outside of the main house. The main house was haunted, but my shack was cozy. The woods up there were weird, too. I never really was in the main house at all, but the three who lived there said some nights you couldn't sleep for all the noise, floorboards, creaking, thumps, knocks, etc. My experiences happened outside. Like I said, I hunted small game up there, as there must have been a rabbit colony in the vicinity plus a few squirrel drays. Often out there while I was stalking, I'd get the distinct feeling of being stalked myself. Keep in mind, this strand of forest is only several acres, but was preserved mainly because of the historic oak trees scattered around. It's old woods. I would hear laughter, like children's laughter, but not quite like in a creepy movie. It was a bit distorted and almost like flirty giggles you might imagine a fairy would make. It would come from a different direction every time I sought it. I eventually decided to stop following it and hunt. It never did stop. I would sometimes spend an afternoon in town having drinks or hanging out at my friend's place. I'd finally leave and have enough liquid courage to hike back up by the trail in the dark. That laughter would be replaced by noise. Just like things running all around you and dashing about the trees. I've been an outdoorsman for a long time, and I know the woods are noisy at night, particularly in the southern Appalachians, but this was different. 
It was dead silent out there, in that stand at night, except for this rushing to and from by some unseen feet. Not like gaming feet, though. It's more like deer running away and crashing about doing it. These steps were like something or things running swiftly around me. It's like it would cross the trail up ahead, then behind me, then alongside me. But I never, ever saw it. I was a big-time night owl back then, and I was regularly up doing schoolwork until 3 or 4 a.m. One such night, it had just snowed a fresh 20 inches or so. Decent accumulation for the area. Our yard in the woods were like a paradise for me and my dog. I was excited to hunt around the next day for tracks and see if I could locate the rabbit den precisely. I was up working and the dog came scratching to get in, not frantic or anything. I let her in and she lays down to sleep. Odd because she's a husky and preferred the snow to my tiny heated apartment every time. I decided to call it a night too and went out for a cigarette. It was 3.24 a.m., I can still see it on top of the MacBook display before I closed it. I went out and noted the clouds were dispersed a bit and the moon was bright on the snow. I lit my cigarette and was just looking out across the fence and into the woods when something caught my eye. It looked just like a silhouette of somebody leaning against one of those big oak trees like you'd see somebody with a palm planted against a wall with the arm straight out, leaning against it. It's not moving, so I can't tell if I'm just tired or the lighting is funny or what. So I walked further to the end of the porch, and as soon as I stepped on the fresh snow there, it took off. The thing was tall. My estimates based on that tree put the thing at maybe seven foot it ran along the border of the fence, back off into the woods. It was hairless as far as I can tell, and completely naked. Otherwise, though, its form was just that of a skinny tall man. I went inside and switched to boots, grabbed my rifle and my flashlight, and I went to check the tracks. I picked up a set of what had to be a size 14 or 15 bare feet tracks. It ran along the fence and down the treeless stretch of backyard, as if heading into the woods. But, then the tracks just ended about 20 feet short of the wood line. I don't know if it jumped to the tree line. Probably could have, but there weren't any more tracks that I could find that night or the next day. It was like it just vanished. Never could explain that one. I was backpacking through Pisgah National Forest in North Carolina with my dog. Just the two of us, and we were exploring the woods around Little Lost Cove. Open, orienting style, so we were not on an established trail. We'd been hiking throughout the day, following a crick, and toward the evening I noticed my dog was acting very abnormally. She was very much caught in the scent of something and wouldn't ease up. This continued for about two hours before we made camp. That night, in camp, she remained on edge and staring off into the wood line. I went about camp business as usual. Then, at around midnight, I got this prickle like I was being watched intently. I let the feeling ride for a little bit and kept tinkering with the fire. Then, I heard the brush rustle. I got up from the fire and shone my flashlight up in the hillside. A figure on all fours just managed to escape the beam. All but the tail. It was a tail I knew was not to still exist in the southern Appalachians. I cast my light again across the hillside, and this time I caught its eyes. Two glowing yellow orbs, just watching and waiting. At that point, I went into a fury, grabbed my tomahawk, and charged up the hill after the beast, screaming curses all the while. The watcher ran off, 
but neither I nor the dog slept that night. The following morning, we left camp at first light and began hiking up the mountain to the ridgeline, which would lead us out. Atop the ridgeline, in the fresh mud, were a series of tracks, tracks left by an animal that officially no longer exists in the eastern U.S. They were catamount tracks. They commonly go by cougars in the east, but we'd been stalked by a mountain lion just the same. Those tracks run across the ridge, revealing that it had been watching and stalking us throughout the previous day as we hiked through the creek bed below. They weren't bobcat tracks, I know that. They were way too big and those eyes I saw were too. I truly believe that if my dog hadn't given me red flags, I would have been mauled that night. It remains one of my personal scariest experiences ever. I've really enjoyed this sub and wanted to share my own story, and this one being my father-in-law's experiences. This happened in Florida, probably 10 years ago at our hunting camp in Alabama. It popped into my head as we are headed there tomorrow for a few days of deer hunting. He told me to go ahead and share the story. It's short, but as I get a little creeped out in the woods, this would have freaked me out. So... As some people probably know, we get out an hour or so before light and climb into a tree stand, ladder leading up to a seat in a tree, usually fairly deep in the woods to hunt. This foggy morning, my father-in-law has been in the stand for a couple of hours and was getting light and he was reading a book as he waited for something to happen. Out of the fog, he hears a woman's voice much closer than anyone should have been to him at that time. She is calling, Hunter, oh, Hunter. Very sing-songy, like a mother calling her child in for dinner as he played outside. Now, as I said, he is pretty deep in the woods, and there are sticks and dried leaves everywhere. You generally make a pretty good racket getting to your stand, which is why we go out so early. Not only that, but in order to know where he was and spot him camouflaged in a tree. She must have seen his light when he walked out, followed him into the woods, and waited hours before calling to him. His first thought was that the woman was calling someone named Hunter, maybe her son, she called again, and he realizes that he is the hunter. So he turns around, peers around the trees, and sees a young woman. She, in a very few words and halting speech, explains that something is wrong with her hot water heater and asks if he can come take a look. Now, the strangeness of the situation hasn't yet set in, and he's a give-the-shirt-off-my-back kind of guy, not to mention 6'2 and nearing 300 pounds, and has a gun, so he wasn't too worried about the small woman and starts getting down the tree to go have a look. He follows her back to her mobile home, which borders our hunting land, probably a ten-minute walk, and she walks inside and leaves the door open. He is trailing behind a little, so he gets to the door, kind of knocks and sticks his head in and says hello. There wasn't an answer. Where he entered is a laundry room, and he can see there in the room is a hot water heater, and water is just pouring out of a valve at the bottom. Just absolutely pouring out onto the floor. He walks over, turns the valve off, sticks his head in the house to say hello again, and nothing. No answer. The house seems empty. Empty of people, anyway. But it is a disaster inside. At this point, he's starting to see how strange it all is and decides that this is just the sort of situation that gets you robbed and murdered and nopes the F out of there and hurried back to our cabin. Now we have hunted this land for several years and we have never, ever seen anyone at that place. Although, until this season, it has shown obvious signs of being lived in 
Every time I pass her place, which backs up right to the road, we take to our hunting stands. I think lady in the trailer with the messed up plumbing, who may or may not have had nefarious intentions for my father-in-law. I hope you don't live there anymore. A few years ago, my friends and I went on a 45-mile, three-night kayaking trip down the Green River in Kentucky, which runs above the Mammoth Cave System, the world's longest-known cave system with more than 400 miles of surveyed passageways. We brought everything we needed in our kayaks and one canoe, food, tents, water filtration, etc., and camped each night on the riverbank when it started getting dark and we found level enough ground. The first night was uneventful, except to say that there is nothing like a wall of fireflies against a mountainous black tree line at night in the middle of nowhere. The second day around sunset, after a long day of kayaking and baking in the July heat, we came upon a stream on the bank that opened up into a large ravine. The stream, as we found out, was a cave spring, pouring out blue, freezing-cold cave water into a lagoon, about 30 feet wide and so deep the blue water turned black after a few feet. The lagoon had a long, sandy beach, secluded by hills on either side, and a tall, overhanging cliff behind and above us. It was a beautiful, otherworldly place. Time moved very slowly there. We decided to camp there for the night, the sand was soft, white, and very fine. Ideal for ground sleeping. For some reason, the place deeply frightened me, but I didn't speak up about it. We were all tired and everyone was having fun. We built a small fire and enjoyed the stars through the leaf canopy for a while before everyone went to bed. I slept hard that night. At around 5 a.m., I woke up with an urge to relieve myself. It was still dark. I had the tent door zipper about halfway opened, and it just popped my head out when I heard a loud and terrible roar and scream. I immediately cowered back into the tent and zipped it closed, and I waited. The scream came from about ten feet to my left, near the dwindling fire. It was high-pitched, but not like an owl's screech, although I'm not ruling that out. It was a wretched pain scream that got lower pitched at the end. Being that we were in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky, most likely it was a fox or boar or some kind of bird. Whatever it was, I lay awake for an hour, listening. I heard nothing, and I do mean absolutely nothing. Granted, we were on a soft beach, but I didn't hear a single twig snap or leaf crinkle when whatever it was finally shuffled away. It was seriously bizarre. I should mention at this time that up the beach and off to the side of the lagoon was a small dry cave opening maybe three feet wide. I cannot say with any certainty that it was some ancient cave-dwelling creature that surfaced to investigate our camp. I somehow fell back asleep and awoke the next morning shaken. I asked if any of my friends heard the terrible scream, but no one had. We pressed on down the Green River. The third night, at dusk, we came upon a large rocky beach. We pulled our boats ashore and decided this would have to do, as we didn't want to go further down river and risk being stuck on the water at dark. This rocky beach was where the river split into two, and in the middle formed a collection of pale rocks, tall grass and dried out wood, a desolate pile of muck the size of a football field. The landmass was covered in jumping sand spiders and tiny frogs, again otherworldly. We set up camp, ate, and all went to bed at around the same time. It was still silent for probably 20 or 30 minutes. I'm not sure. I was asleep, as the others most likely were. Suddenly, my dream was interrupted by what sounded like a booming, 
loud, mechanical, wooden beast. I awoke and shot straight up. It was truly the loudest thing I have ever heard. It sounded like a massive bulldozer tearing down a huge steel and wood building. Then came a boom, followed by its echo throughout the river valley. The animals shifted and the birds flew away. We were all awoken by the crash and yelling in confusion to each other in our tents. Nothing but silence followed outside our tents, and no one was particularly willing to shine a flashlight towards the woods. Eventually, we all decided it was just a falling tree and went back to sleep. The next morning, I thought about it some more. It didn't sound like just a tree falling. I must stress, it had a metallic quality, and it was projected purposefully. It almost sounded like a roar. In the morning light, we found no evidence of anything out of the ordinary, nor any obvious fallen trees that could have made such a loud noise. So, we packed up and headed out, onto the river one last time, to head home. My friends and I talk about the trip, all the weird things that had happened. We did the same kayak trip a couple years later, and nothing out of the ordinary happened. No mysterious forest noises to both of our disappointment and relief. So, this story is completely true. I live in the suburbs of Dublin, Ireland, where I'm surrounded by greenery, beautiful hiking trails, and lots of Celtic mysticism. One particular hiking trail is called the Hellfire Club. There's lots of stories that have been passed on from generation to generation as to where it got the name, but the most popular, as far as I'm aware, is that on top of the mountain where the trail passes is an old, completely deteriorated stone house. Legend has it that back in the day, it was a hangout spot where men would drink, play cards, and have a merry old time. One night, a group of men were playing cards, and a stranger asked if he could join in. During the game, one of the men dropped a card, bent down to pick it up off the ground, and realized the stranger that had joined them had hoofed feet. So, present day, this trail is very popular for hikers and campers. This particular day, three friends decided to go camping and set up a tent beside an old hunting lodge. After a few hours, they noticed that someone had set up a camp quite close by. Not weird, but maybe a little odd. This guy decided to approach the three campers, introduce himself, and ended up chatting with them for a few hours. After some time had passed, one of the campers decided that they needed more firewood. The stranger went with him, and the other two went off in another direction. As the camper was about to get firewood, he was grabbed from behind by a stranger, who put his left hand across his mouth and attempted to cut his throat with a knife. He was sliced across the throat three times before he managed to push his attacker away. He fell to the ground and was then stabbed in the chest. The knife broke, leaving the blade embedded in his chest. The other two realized something was happening and tried to intervene, one being knocked to the ground and the other escaping to go get help. The cops were called and went searching for the guy, whom they eventually found. It turns out he had recently spent a lot of time in a mental institution, suffered from a deep-seated mental illness, paranoid schizophrenia, and he had an acute psychotic episode that day. As far as I know, he got locked up for a few years, but this happened about ten minutes' drive from my house. Truly a horror movie come to life. Again, here's one of my stories from when I lived off-grid in the forest of western North Carolina. Some friends and I all lived in these small shacks, essentially a shed with a loft. They were very close together. 
Living in such primal and close conditions breeds a kind of deep, trusting friendship that you can get from living anywhere else. So, naturally, we did almost everything together. By our little semicircle of houses, there was a railroad track that, if you followed it south, would lead to a waterfall. This waterfall in particular is where everyone would go to get high. It was a normal night, humid, sometime in early July. A group of about six friends and I, Laura, Andy, Nick, and some of Andy's friends that I didn't know that well but recognized, decided to walk out to this waterfall in the dark. I was the only sober one in the group, so I felt a higher sense of responsibility for everyone, and was therefore on edge and hyper aware of our surroundings. Others would walk faster or slower or stop altogether in the group, so it was natural and expected that we wouldn't be able to see everyone at the same time. Andy was in rare form, though. When Laura had to stop to pee, he came out of the bushes and scared her, and then ran off ahead behind the rest of the group. This pissed off both me and Laura, since it was such a clear evasion of privacy and unnecessarily spooky in the already spooky night. Laura and I eventually got to where we could see Andy again, but he was walking by himself, and then slipped back into the bushes without even looking at us. Dismissing it as just him being high, we kept moving forwards. Still not back with the whole group yet, we realized that Andy has followed in behind us, just far enough away that we can only see his silhouette. Finally, we catch up with the rest of the group and see that all of us are accounted for, even Andy. We ask him how he got ahead of us and beat us to the group when he had been at least 15 yards behind us just 10 minutes ago. Everyone went dead silence as Laura and I realized that whoever scared her when she peed and followed us was not Andy or anyone else from our group. We never made it to the waterfall. I'm not really sure if I can call this a ghost story, to be honest. Mainly because I personally was explained by these entities that they are not ghosts or spirits, but were once people. This is, however, a true story that happened to me, my girlfriend. We'll call her Amy. And my stepsister, let's call her Rose. This happened when I was 13 on a summer night in July. It was dark and I lived in a trailer park at the time in Ohio. I lived in a small town. Not very small, but you get the idea. You can't find it on any of the maps. The layout is kind of odd with two entrances. One by the center and one in the back. The trailer park is basically three connected loops, and one going uphill with its own road. The first loop has two roads on it we call the hill. The furthest road up is by a small patch of woods and is the darkest part of the trailer park at night. Sometimes one of the streetlights wouldn't come on. It was by the furthest turn from the entrance and really dark at night. I live by the center entrance in trailer four. At the time, me and my girlfriend weren't dating, but we still hung out a lot. She lived in a road down from me, but it was easy just to cut through yards to get to her house. Anyway, those details aren't too important. On to the story. That night, me and Amy were arguing about something pretty stupid, as teens do. Rose is a couple years younger than me and Amy, but liked to be with us anyway. We were on the hill just turning onto the darkest street when Rose decided she didn't want to deal with me and Amy arguing anymore. She sped ahead of us and I watched her ride off. I wasn't worried since she was surprisingly smart and strong for her age. She's also pretty tall. Unfortunately, her character doesn't quite fit her build. She's pretty shy. Anyways... She went ahead of us and got to the darkest point of that street, the corner, and froze. She looked up into the woods, 
No, stared into the woods, terrified. I attempted to catch up to her, but before I could get to her, she turned and took off on her scooter. I stopped and waited for Amy to catch up. Of course, she yelled at me for running like that. She thought I was trying to ditch her. I apologized and claimed I wanted to ask Rose why she went ahead of us. I knew if I told her about Rose stopping and looking into the woods, she'd want to investigate. Though I brushed it off as her getting scared of a shadow. I couldn't help but feel like something was watching us as we passed the area. A little while later, Amy decided to walk off to cool down. I didn't stop her. In fact, I didn't blame her. I can get pretty annoying at times. What concerned me, though, was we still hadn't seen Rose. After Amy walked off, I circled the trailer park a couple times before I saw her. She was on the complete opposite side of the trailer park from where she took off. I ran up to her, yelling out her name. As I got closer, I realized she was close to crying. She began rambling about something in the woods and how she thought whatever it was got me and Amy. I calmed her down to explain to me what she saw. Disclaimer. Bear with me here because I know people are going to be like, oh, this is fake because of what I explain, and no, I'm not thinking this is a Slenderman story. This is what she saw, and it will not be the only spirit in person we see. Again, I'm not making a Slenderman ripoff. In fact, I still see the guy from time to time. Anyway, back to the story. She told me they had no faces, just a place where sockets and a nose would be. They were tall with pale skin, an all-black suit, except the undershirt, which almost matched their skin. I was sure she was seeing things, but to make her feel better, I decided to go back up to the woods and look. She agreed, and we made our way to the woods. Once we got back to the road, we walked silently, listening for anything in the woods. We heard nothing, but the entire time we felt we were being watched. Once we made it to the corner, we still hadn't seen or heard anything. I had her go ahead of me just in case. As I started to calm down, thinking it was nothing, I felt like someone may have been following us. When I turned around, I swear I saw what she did standing in the tree line, just staring in our direction. I felt myself begin to panic and remain calm on the inside. I told Rose to just keep moving. As we walked, I realized whatever was there was inching closer and closer to us, coming out of the woods. They were about seven feet tall. They didn't seem to be moving any of their body parts. They were just floating. When we turned the next corner, I told her to go as fast as she could, and I ran to keep up with her. Once we made it off the hill, we went back to our house and went inside. But... Once we went in, I realized Amy was still out there on her own. I told Rose I was going to go find her. I tried to make her stay, but she insisted on coming with, so I let her. We found her around where I found Rose. I previously forgot to tell Rose not to tell Amy about the figure in the woods. But before I could say anything, Rose blurted out everything. Amy thought someone was messing with us and decided she was going to go into the woods to confront them on her own. I tried to talk her out of it the entire time we walked there. Of course, my words didn't face her, and she went up into the woods anyway. I yelled that I was going to walk Rose home and that I'd be back. As we walked down the hill about halfway, I heard a distant, inhuman shriek come out of the woods. I told Rose to go home as fast as she could, and I turned back running to see if Amy was okay. I didn't get very far before I saw her running. Mind you, this was the first time I had actually seen her scared, after knowing her for three years, so I knew something was wrong. I stopped, and she told me to run home. So, we all fled back to the house. 
Once we got there, we were all tired, panting and sweaty. You should have seen how confused my mother was. She asked what was wrong, but I knew she wouldn't believe us anyway. And even if she did, I didn't want her involved in this. So I just told her we decided to run back. We all went to my room and closed the curtains. We also turned the closet light on and closed the door. We all sat down and I asked Amy what she saw when she was up there. She told me she saw a tall, black shadow, no legs, but they did have arms. They were about eight feet tall and they were carrying something large and dripping. Their back was turned to her, so she shouted out to them. She started cussing them out and yelling. Once they turned around, though, they looked directly at her, revealing a white porcelain mask with red lips and markings above the eyes. It stretched out, an empty arm, pointed at her before letting out a loud, inhuman shriek. That's when she ran out of the woods and told us to go. The rest of the night... The two beings harassed all three of us. There are three particular moments I remember vividly. The first was when I looked into the yard through my curtains. They both stood there, staring into the window. The second, we all went outside to look for my cat. I looked under a car for him, but fell back when I saw the one without a face, just laying there. Just staring back at me, his head tilted in a curiously twisted manner. We did eventually find him and bring him inside. The third one I didn't actually see, but Amy told me about it. She said when we came back to my room after looking, she saw a pair of feet behind my closet door. When she looked away and looked back, they were gone. After that, we turned the light off and ignored the closet. I managed to convince my mom to let her stay the night that night, but we didn't sleep much. Rose ended up falling asleep at around 2 in the morning, while me and Amy fell asleep on the couch together at 4.30. The next day, me and Rose and Amy decided to go up to the woods and investigate the area Amy saw the masked one. As we suspected, when we got there... There was blood on the tree the entity stood by, and a trail of blood on the path, leading to some bushes. For the sake of not wanting to find anything we couldn't unsee, we decided not to look in the bushes and walked out of the woods. Ever since then, these entities have been following us and communicating with us. They taught us about their meetings and stuff like that. I've attended a few, but hardly remember what I did or said. But Crescent, the mask one, and Faceless, pretty self-explanatory, are not the only ones. There's also Leo, who looks like a Crescent, but is slightly taller, only has one eye hole in his mask and is missing an arm, who was second in command. There's Angel, who always walks with a noose hanging around her throat. The Weeper, who's covered in bruises and cuts, slit his wrists and leaves blood and tears wherever he goes. The Puppeteer, the leader, he can control whoever he wants but gives great pain to himself and whoever is around while he takes over someone. Then there's the Executioner. If you see him, that usually means something bad is going to happen to you or someone close to you. He's a tall, cloaked figure, no lie, about 20 feet tall. You can't see his face, but when you see him, it's kind of creepy. Before I moved away, I was walking the trailer park pretty late, and I looked up. Across the main road that the trailer park set beside is a storage unit lot. I saw him standing there. I got so angry, I ran at him. Once I reached the middle of the road, he vanished completely. Then, I noticed a car coming down the road, speeding. Luckily, I got out of the way. A month after seeing him, my father died of cardiac arrest. The blood vessels in his heart constricted so tightly that blood could not flow through it, and it failed. The worst thing is, no matter what, they always find you. Not too long ago, 
I moved away from the trailer park, but they found me. I still see Leo and Crescent around, walking in the woods or watching me. It's terrifying. I don't know what they want, but they always find me. At school, at home, at the mall. Hell, they followed me to North Carolina on a vacation once. I had to stay away from my family there so they wouldn't take interest in them. I currently think that Leo is attempting to get revenge on me for calling him a one-armed bastard at a meeting. You should have seen how pissed Amy was the next time I saw her. She was like, you're such an idiot, they're going to kill you. I brushed it off, but I don't know. I guess he's still pissed about it. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this. If you have any suggestions on what I should do, I guess you can make some suggestions. Thank you for reading my story. Hey y'all. So, I just had an extremely strange encounter that I had to come put down into words and see what or if anyone can make anything of it. I was with my niece, who was on her high school soccer team and is taking it pretty seriously and attempting to get some kind of scholarship out of it. I am pretty healthy and don't really work out too much, but something I often do is run and hike. I live in Kentucky, not in a rural part, but there is a state park near my house that is 6,500 acres, so it is pretty secluded and densely wooded. There are some really nice trails that allow you to run for a good chunk and then hike for a bit to split up the long bits of the trail that are flat. She decided to tag along with me today for a quick three or four mile run. It was raining, but nothing too heavy. Kind of like a spitting rain. Nothing we can't handle. We got up to the peak of this one hill, and it had about two miles or so according to our phones, so we decided to turn back and head back to the car. As we were heading down the steep side of the climb, we were walking pretty slow, making sure we didn't lose our footing, when out of nowhere, there was the coldest chill come from behind us. We made it about halfway down. At the same time, it happened we both commented on how cold it was on our backs, but didn't make too much of it, and went on with our conversation. In the woods, there is some wildlife like small deer, and I believe maybe some coyotes, but they tend to stay away from the paths. At least I have only heard them in my many years of coming here never once seen any more than a few footprints. Once we got off the hillside and hit a stretch of the trail that was flatter ground, we began to pick up the pace when a deer darted across the path, maybe ten yards max in front of us, causing us to stop in our tracks. The first deer was then followed by three more, and not one of the even as much as looked our way. My niece looked at me puzzled because of the oddity of it, and to me, they were acting like they were running from something, a predator of some sort. Once they had gone, we started back with our run, and we heard a noise behind us. A loud, booming noise of something, of substance falling to the ground from some height. When we stopped and turned, we saw nothing. No animals scurrying away like one would expect after a substantial noise in the wilderness. In fact, everything was calm. Eerily calm. Just as we looked to each other to ask what the actual hell that was, there was yet another cold wind gush through the valley, pushing all the rain off the leaves, surrounding us, soaking our sweatshirts. I was starting to freak out inside, but was doing my best to stay calm for my 17-year-old niece, but I am pretty sure she could tell I was freaked the hell out. I tell her, come on, let's get to the car, and we turned to take off again, and there was a man leaned up against a tree on the side of the trail dressed in a black suit with a white button-up shirt on. 
His collar was opened, but he had a tie on sagging like a tired businessman on the way home from a long day. It startled me at first. I was not expecting to see anyone for a few reasons. One being we were at the very least one mile away from any parking lot or street. Another being that we never heard or seen him coming. And the stretch of the trail we were on was flat and open for a good half of a mile. I got over to put myself between the man and my niece as we jogged past him. When we did, I looked him in the eye and gave him a how you doing nod as we went. He was sort of pale. His eyes were very white, but his irises were ice blue. Everything I saw from the quick look I got up close looked to be clean cut and proper. I did not notice a speck of mud on him anywhere, and the two of us had it caked on the bottom of our shoes and even the backs of our pants and shirts from kicking it up on us as we ran. We had to get to the top of another hill, smaller than the last but still quite the hike up. Once on top, I took a quick look behind us, and he had seemed to vanish without a trace. Now, with having the vantage point of the hill, I could see out past the trail and see much of the hill she and I had just come from, yet he was nowhere in sight. I scanned off the sides of the trail, and still, nothing. My niece asked me who that guy was and why he was out so deep in the woods wearing a suit questions I simply did not have the answers to. We made it back to the car with nothing else out of the ordinary, happening to us on the trail. As we came to my car, I pulled the keys from my pocket and unlocked the doors from maybe ten feet out. Walking up to the only car in the entire lot, I noticed muddy footprints coming away from my car door from the driver's side. Weird, considering I had no mud on my shoes when we got there. But, there are trails leading up to the lot, so I figured maybe someone came through before we got there, and I did not notice. However, when I pulled the handle to open the door, it was caked with mud underneath. Almost like someone was attempting to open the door with a muddy hand. Nothing more happened, but the whole encounter leaves chills covering my body the more I think about it. The other night, around 9.30 p.m., I was playing Smash Ultimate in my living room, minding my own business while I was watching horror movies. It was nothing special, a fairly normal occurrence. Then, suddenly... As the narrator finished a story about a skinwalker, I felt it. The most extreme feeling of being watched I have ever felt. I could pinpoint exactly where it came from. The window to my right. The window has blinds, but they suck and are easily seen through if you get close to the window. Personally, I believe in the paranormal, and I do believe my house is haunted but the ghosts in my house have only been prank players who are kind-hearted. As a note, I also live in Arizona, not too far from a Native American reservation. Anyway, this feeling was intensely strong and struck an immediate response in my brain, which is typically pragmatic and relatively fearless. I paused the game, turned off the switch, and went straight into my room close the doors behind me, turn off the videos, and instead, turning on Critical Role. Yet, the feeling stayed, as if whatever was watching me could see through the doors. I had enough, so grabbed my machete, gift from my grandpa I use while camping, thanks Gramps, and unsheathed it, then walked straight to the window, peering through it. There was nothing, nothing but my neighbor's house, but the feeling hadn't subsided. I decided to take a more supernatural approach. I found the sage in the kitchen, grabbed a lighter, and began to burn it, spreading the smoke around my house until it felt the feeling had passed. 
Then I grabbed some clothes and took the bowl into the bathroom with me and showered. The feeling was completely gone, as if the sage repelled whatever was watching me. It was certainly freaky. I'm not sure if it was a skinwalker or my body just picking up on someone watching me who left when they saw my weapon, but whatever it was, was sure strange. And that, dear listeners, brings a close to these backwoods and camping creepy stories. If you're sleeping, I hope Slumberland is treating you kindly. If you're awake, I hope you've enjoyed this collection. Until next time, please take care of yourselves. I'll read to you soon. Have yourself a good morning, a good evening, or a good night.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.